Hello again. Always a pleasure to be back and speaking with everybody and and putting on this podcast. You know, we are now in the 40-something episode range here. Uh, You know, just put out an amazing podcast with Carolyn Brunson, uh, who uh, just told an incredible story about her um, near-death experience. It was incredibly amazing that she chose this podcast to be her first public speaking about that experience, so I'm grateful. And my next guest, Tina Clements, is somebody who is just uh, not just a good connection of mine, but also a good friend, somebody who uh, I met right when I was moving up here to Blaine, Washington, so over a year ago, and we just started connecting and having a monthly phone call and uh, just um, helping each other throughout life. I think that's the wonderful thing about networking connections that you're sharing your life with people and hopefully you're creating long-lasting meaningful relationships and I know that I'm getting that with Tina and today's conversation is a lot about parenting and the joys and the pains the difficulties the triumphs about it there's going to be some interesting stories you're going to hear about but I think it's a, a great one for expectant parents or uh, parents of children who are infants toddlers middle school, high school, adult children. It's going to help you out quite a bit. I know whenever I talk to Tina, it always helps me out with my daughter and raising her. So I think this is a great topic for everyone to listen to, especially. So without further ado, we're going to jump into the conversation with Tina Clements. Yeah, because you, you know, you can have material things. That doesn't mean anything. That's not going to give you happiness, you know, and it's sad when people feel that they need to do that because they're searching for something. So they're buying, 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 and they get that instant gratification, if you will, buying something new or eating the ice cream or whatever their thing is that they're doing. And it's only for that fleeting moment. And then they're right back down into the state of wherever they were before. And it's very sad in that regard. And it really stems from, I don't know, I think it goes back to how you were raised as a child. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you have unconditional love? Did you feel safe and secure in your home? Um, You know, those kinds of things. And if you did not, then you're going to search for it in other things. It's interesting you said that. I know um, I try to be very transparent on the podcast. You know, I don't really hold things back. And I remember Mm -hmm. like last time you and I were having our regular conversation, I was asking advice mm-hmm. about, you know, with my daughter and, yeah. and like, what's the right thing to do and, you know, this and that. And, and I remember you were, you were saying about just, you know, just be there, mm-hmm. you know, show love. Just these very simple, like three things you told me mm-hmm. and it, it comforted me. It definitely okay. helped me, you know, um, Good. and Good. the visual cues to help my daughter that that's been working. She really okay. likes that stuff. See? Yeah. It's <laughs> Kids, kids want to know what's going to happen next. A lot of them do. Mm. And some kids, like my little boy, my little, my little guy, yeah, special needs one, he's, he, he wants to know constantly. And what's going to after that, Mom? What's going to happen after that? Yes. What's going to happen after that? It's that unknown. For some kids, it's very hard for them not to know. And so a visual schedule is really what they need. Yeah. You know, no, I think it's, it's definitely helped us out. I think, you know, Great. it's interesting growing up. You know, as I think about my life growing up, my parents were just here from the East Coast visiting and mm-hmm. we had a wonderful time. And I think it's, it's always interesting how you 
view your view your parents as a child and how you view them as an adult. If you know, obviously, if your parents are alive during that as an adult and stuff like that. Right. Um, some people don't get the chance to have that relationship with parents as their adults, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know mine's been honestly pretty similar. I mean, I always felt good about my parents growing up, and I feel the same way as an as their forty one year old son. Now, yeah. how have you felt about that relationship as over time for you? My parents were are just an amazing, unconditional, loving, one just great people. Um, my mom, well, my father was always working. He was a very type A, an incredibly intelligent man, inventor, and always an entrepreneur. So he was always busy, but always took the time here and there to just show me how much he loved me, tell me how much he loved me. And I knew he was always there. My mom, on the other hand, she was very much the nurturer, never wanted to get in your way yet, um, you know, allow you to experience things. Um, and then, but yet pull you back when needed. I, I was, I was very much the, uh, I was a lot like my dad and I'm the baby of the family. So I, I kind of really pushed those boundaries a lot with them <laughs> when I was younger. Right. Um, and, uh, my dad didn't like it so much being a girl and, uh, and having that much, just wanting to be very independent, independent thinking, independent minded, speaking my piece. And I always worked, um, and I, for my senior trip to myself, I went out west to uh, to follow a guy, of course. Um, and uh, <laughs> I've and, heard that story before for, yeah, from a yeah. bunch of people, actually. <laughs> so, so I leave, and uh, you're supposed to be gone for just a week, right, or something. For you know, when yeah. you're a senior in high school, I was gone for a month, and um, my whole <laughs> my whole point was, what's she gonna do? Come get me, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, but I so we ventured around California and I was, you know, I was all over. I was in Venice Beach. I was in Santa Monica. I was in Hollywood. I was down in Newport Beach. I was even in Palm Springs. I was in Arizona because we drove out to California. Um, yeah. But it was like, so my mom still, it was an amazing experience. I mean, she was there for me. She, of course, she covered for me at school. You know, she's not going to be in school. Um, <laughs> I thought they would, you know, a parent would have, wouldn't she have like killed your kid? Oh my God. No, she didn't. Um, I came back home. She understood that I needed that time. Um, I'm safe. I'm okay. Those, now, but now, mind you, this is back in 1978. <laughs> right. There was no cell phones. She couldn't get in touch with me unless I called her on a landline. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, but it shaped, it was just, it shaped me. It gave me experiences and she never blinked an eye. Uh, she was upset, mind you. Um, yeah. And even as an adult uh, dealing with her and then my kids started to do things, right? My oldest son took the car out at 15, you know, in the middle of the night. My husband comes up and tells me, you know, the car's gone. Um, <laughs> so we have to you know it's gone. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, just. And uh, so we were sitting in the garage waiting for him to come home, you know, just in the dark. So like, okay, you know, you're in trouble now. But I remember calling my mom the next day saying, wow, I am really sorry for everything I put you through. (laughs) (laughs) It's coming back around. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) Um, But she's, my husband fell in love with her when he met her. We, my husband and I, we've been married before. And so this is uh, our, our second time around, so to speak. So we have a blended family and, um, so we married in our thirties 
And he instantly fell in love with my mom and dad and would always be the one to invite them over because he just felt so warm and so loved around them and so comfortable. And it's just who they are. Um, you know, my friends all adore them. And, and I still to this day, you know, I lost my dad two years ago. Um, and he actually lived to be almost 90, almost 97, which is an amazing wow. feat. Yeah. Considering he had heart issues all in my high school life. Um, and I was back and forth in, you know, ERs with my mom all the time, all through my high school career. And then um, he had open heart surgery in 81. He suffered a stroke in 87, which kind of altered and made it. That made him slow down. Um, yeah. Stroke. Yeah. It, But still, even with all that, he lived to be, you know, that old. And my mom is still with me. She's 91 and lives close. And, uh, yeah, and it's great. She, and I just adore her. We talk, I talk to her every oh, day. Wow. Every That's day. amazing. Mm -hmm. What was that like, you know, yeah. your dad so long lived? What was that like when he passed away? Did you see it coming or what was that, that situation? Oh, you know, yeah. Yeah, his, um, he had. My parents have a, a condominium and there's stairs everywhere. And she did that on purpose. So when they got older, they were forced <laughs> to move, you know, like move around, get up and down the stairs. And it's because, well, they're Swedish and my mom grew up in a household. Her dad was very much um, into like, you know, knowing the human body, making sure, you know, they would talk about, you know, are you going to the bathroom correctly? You know, I know yeah. what's it like, you know, and, and just to be healthy. They, he, they, back in the thirties, they went and saw a woman, you know, that was an herbalist. So, I mean, he was, he was very much into holistic ways of living anyways. So she knew that, yeah, we need to keep moving. So my dad fell though. Um, and, uh, like four years prior to his death and injured his hip. And, um, and it was because the right side that was affected with the stroke was just getting weaker and weaker and weaker, um, over all the years since the stroke originally happened. So um, when that happened, he was, you know, hospitalized and then you go into a rehab unit and we tried to bring him home and it was just way too much on my mom. So we had to put him into a nursing facility, which just, almost yeah. killed. it was hard. That was hard. But we, one of us showed up every single day and uh, was, you know, always there with him and we could see his, you know, everything was deteriorating. Um, He's an artist or was an artist and that kept in, in an avid reader. He taught himself to speed read when he was a young man. So he could read novels. Um, he would grab, you know, two inch thick novels and have them read in a couple days. And he continued that even when he was in the nursing home and we brought his, um, all of his art stuff there as well. So he would draw and then for coloring it in, he would use um, pastels. And so that's what he did. And that kept him going. That gave him purpose and gave him joy. And when that started to dwindle, the reading mm -hmm. was slowing down. He wasn't reading as quick anymore. He wasn't drawing and really sitting at the table that much anymore and doing that. We knew that he was slowly coming to an end. And, um, and we accepted that. And, and, and really... I don't want to say welcomed it because that's just kind of a weird way to say it, but we just knew it was happening yeah. and it's a part of life and you have to accept it. So as it got nearer and nearer and we knew that it was happening, we just were with him. Um, we told him it was okay. Um, and I know that people, I've had enough people that have had their loved ones pass away and I have a friend that's in hospice care. So I know that here again, hearing's the last yeah. thing to go um, when a person dies and 
just, you know, giving, and some of them, people, when they're passing, they either want their family there or they don't. Yeah. They make that decision. Yeah. And so my dad chose for no one to be there. And it didn't surprise me because he always would shoo my mom away and stuff. You go home now. You go home. He always wanted to make sure she was okay and, um, you know, and, and not worry. You don't want to add any more stress to her life and this kind of thing. So when we were all with him the day before he passed, um, we were telling him it was okay. His breathing was really labored. Um, his, you know, you wouldn't think that he could hear us, but we knew he could hear us. And we just told him, like, we loved him and that we're going to take care of mom and that everything's okay. It's all right to go. You know, it's, you're fine. We love you so much. And, you know, everything that we wanted to say to him. And he went, you know, during the night. And, um, and then we came in the room that next day as a family, me and my brothers, I'm the baby, yeah. the two older brothers. And we just sat there and just with him and with my mom and we told stories and just talked and we cried and then it was okay. Amazing. It was okay. You know, it wasn't, it, yeah, it wasn't a horrible, it was really kind of a good way to go. Wow. <laughs> and uh, it's just a really good way to go. Really. Well. You know, it's interesting. Like, um, our paths intertwined in a very interesting time, uh, you know, in a year. <laughs> so that was basically around a year after your father passed away. I think when we kind of met and it had been about right. a year since my mother-in-law passed away, um, around that time. And, um, I don't, you've talked to my wife before, but and she's, she's pretty open about like her, yeah. When her mom passed, it was uh, it was the opposite of your deal with your dad. I would say I think it's good that you know yeah. um, to see both perspectives, like how that happened with your dad. That's amazing. I envision that's how it would be with my father one day when he passes away. You know, very close, and there would be yeah. just so much love yeah. and stuff. And um, you know, my mother-in-law passed away. It felt very lonely, very empty, and mm -hmm. it was. Um, always a very contentious relationship that my wife had with her mother and, um, and yeah. still with her father too. I mean, it was not an ideal childhood and growing up and stuff. And, and it was just really, yeah. they just never had a great relationship. And I noticed that immediately when I, and I met Michelle um, in the beginning, you know, 16 years ago, I said, Oh man, this is a, this is a rough relationship they have here, you know? And um, so, when, right. you know, I was there, just me and like three other people in the room when she passed away, my mother-in-law. And it was just very, it was very sad. Not like, it wasn't a happy, mm -hmm. like, oh, this great life. It was a lot of regret, honestly. And, yeah. you know, my yeah. wife is a nurse, went into nurse. She basically made it a transactional thing. It was like a nursing patient relationship. You know, she was there for a mother. Yep. She took care of her the last couple of weeks, but it it wasn't emotionally happy for that. Yeah, that I felt really bad. And isn't yeah. that sad? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's too bad that you know that she couldn't experience all of those you know like those things. Like I think back on my childhood, and it was really yeah, great. me too. <laughs> it really was. I mean, you know, and it was just because of the love, you know. And, um, and my children tell me that they feel that, you know, from me, you know, growing up. Yeah. And so, which doesn't, I guess, you know, which is nice that, cause that was what you exactly. for, right? You're doing all this work. You hope that they yeah. felt good about it. And I think for right. Michelle, she just, you know, she never got that. You never, 
really felt felt that sense that you and I have about our you know respective things. And I was, I think she still struggles with it, you know. And and I think sure. honestly, I that's not uncommon. I mean, there's a lot of people who have very contentious oh, relationships yep. with their parents. Yes, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And so when I meet people and I and, and it's um and something's going on, like in whatever the, you know, transaction or conversation we're having, or if my kids will come to me and they're like, God, so-and-so is being this way, they're that way, or they're in a relationship with somebody or whatever the case may be. I'll always talk to them and be like, well, do you have any idea how things, you know, why they might be acting that way? I mean, do you have any idea, like maybe how they grew up, you know, what their relationship's like with their parents? Because all of that comes back to that. Because if you, you know, people are going to act in a specific way or react in a specific way, typically based on their experiences. And if you can take the whatever's happening to you, you're experiencing this from them right then and there, and not take it personally, which is hard a lot of times, because sometimes you'll react and you will. But I mean, if you think back on it, really, you'd be like, okay, well, there's obviously something must have happened at some point in their life to be acting like this or being that way. You know, I wonder what happened, yeah. you know, and then you, you, you enter that relationship or that situation through a more empathetic kind of way, you know, and you won't overreact to things, hopefully. Yeah. Or you'll deal with them in a little different manner. Yeah. You know I mean? I mean, I no, no, I definitely know what you mean for sure. I just think, um, yeah. you know, Tina, I think you're a wealth of knowledge. You seem to, you come across to me always as someone who has experienced a lot, but who has a good head on their shoulders about life and the experiences of life. Well, thanks. I, I owe that really a lot to, I'd say the way I was raised, you know, and, um, and just my dad went through an awful lot in his lifetime. He didn't have the greatest, you know, his dad left at, at age nine and left his mom and his, you know, him and his sister from Sweden. And he went to the United States and that was during the war. And he was supposed to send for them but the war broke out. In fact, my dad had a ticket to be on a, on a boat and he couldn't because World War II was going on. So he never saw his father. Wow. And then he, yeah. And he grew up with his grandparents and his mother worked all the time. And, um, it was just very rough. And so he left, uh, I think when he was like 17 years old or 16 years old, he was on his own since then his whole life. Yeah. And was in the air force and witnessed a lot of things in the Swedish air force and, you know, friends being, you know, being killed and what have you. Cause Sweden did have some role, but not much, you know, it was pretty much neutral. Yeah. But I mean, just a lot of things went on and, um, but he was very, uh, you know, he lived, boy, he lived, he did a lot of, I mean, just stories he would tell. Oh my God. It was great to just sit and listen to him. And then my mom coming from a very well-to-do family, yet they raised her in just a very simple way. Um, and, and, you know, just a more, more loving, nurturing, loving environment. And so you bring those two together and you raise kids. And I guess that's, <laughs> and that's the story. <laughs> you, you get me. You, you know, get you. Of... Well, you know, I know your but kids, I, but I have been through. Yeah. Well, I know your kids. Now I'm, I'm going to go down that road. I know your, your kids, a lot, most of your kids are grown and stuff. Uh, but what was the, what's been, what was the hardest part about raising your kids, the ones that are older now, I know you have Eddie, but you know, the, the older yeah. ones who are adult children now. Yeah. Um, well, Kenny and I met when they were, let's see, they were six, six and soon to be four. Mm. So I came, I came to the relationship with a son. He came to the relationship with a son and a daughter. And, um, 
so the my son and his daughter are a month and three days apart and then his son is 18 months younger so it was kind of like and then we got custody of them three days before our wedding wow. because his ex-wife is not a healthy individual right. and got, yeah it has some addiction issues and so we got custody of them just before we got married so basically boom you know family um of so and then we had danny um later so that was we've literally had the his mine and ours and um it was you know it was hard because we were dealing with now my ex-husband is also an addictive person and he's been in a, he's been mm-hmm. in jail, more in jail than out and just not present whatsoever and the kid's mom is really struggled her whole life um just really struggled doesn't know how to be a parent you know let alone you know hold a job and whatever she's yeah doing. it's been bad so when you've got that kind of toxicity that your children are exposed to all the time um it's really hard now kenny's kids it was worse because they had to see their mother on visitation mm-hmm. and forced to do that and that was really tough um i i became a researcher and tenacious individual right from the get-go because to protect those kids um, I documented everything. We had to go back to court to get things spelled out in visitation things to try to protect them as much as possible so they weren't in harm's way. Um, and my son, um, I at first had supervised visitation when his, his dad was around, um, but then he was in jail more, and then, then I didn't have to worry about it because he wasn't around. But then my son right. felt abandoned. He, yes. he, he got some abandonment issues. Um, and then he and my husband didn't really find a way to connect with one another. Um, And so that was hard on him and he kind of felt left out. And so, and then of course he had to immediately, like it was always just him and I prior to me marrying Kenny. And then all of a sudden you've got two more kids thrown in there. So now he he has to share me with, you know, two other children. And I treat those children and I've always treated those children like I gave birth to them. And I've told them that to their faces you know, I love you so much. And I just, I feel like I gave birth to you, even though I did not. And, you know, those children need to feel, I mean, I just did. Like growing up was hard for them, especially in the teenage years. Um, and the, the kids they started running with, I mean, you really have no control over some of that. You know, when they leave your house, especially when they turn 16 and they've got cars and they're in cars and stuff. Yeah. You don't know where they're going and you just hope and pray that everything you've taught them and and drilled in their head, if you will, that they're remembering, but they're going to make really bad decisions and it happens. And um, a couple of them were making some poor decisions and it was, it was not good. And so you come down hard on them. You try the best you can with, uh, you know, um, disciplining and so on. Um, and it was really hard. I'm not going to get into detail about a lot of it, but it was just really tough. Of course. Um, and then even after graduation, even more, the the issues become more severe. And now you've got police involved and now you've got court dates. And, you know, it was just there was a lot of this going on. And the thing I tell people a lot is that um, what really we had Kenny and I had a solid, easy, <laughs> probably 10 years of constant. And I mean, constant major stuff going on. And typically when you've got children that you give birth to yourself, you've got like a, I always call it a buffer, you know, cause you've got, you had you know, like two years, you know, or three years in between them, you know? Yeah. And so you, typically a kid will screw up if you say that and the other <laughs> ones aren't coming behind them until a while. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Whereas you got mine, some time. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Whereas mine, it was like, 
one would do something and then like a month or three months later then another one's doing something and then like a couple months later then the, the other one or this one or then that one or this one or that one I mean, it was just constant it was literally constant and it was and you're i'm trying to raise dan in in, in an environment keep him protect him um it was really hard it was really hard and very stressful and kenny and i i had to he was not a really good communicator and i had to really force him to communicate yeah. um and um we got through it. I, I, people tell me all the time, they're like, I don't know how you've ever lived through this, Dina. Like, how, how did you even do that? And some of it really is a blur. Um, you, you have to really dig in and draw on your inner strength and realize that just take one thing at a time and one small step forward. That's where I get that from probably because that's how I survived, really, when I think about it. Yeah. It's just one thing at a time. Try to deal with it as best you can. Um, and move forward and just keep doing that. And in the sense of all of it, keep loving them. And that was the big thing was that no matter what they kept doing or did, um, you have to just let them know you love them. I don't approve of what you're doing. I'm really mad at right. you right now. I don't like you too much right at this moment, <laughs> you know, but I still love you. Um, and that was really came into play um with my oldest son i had to learn to love him from afar and that was the hardest thing i ever had to do as a as a mother because as a mother you your your innate um thing is to um is to do and for them right and so and you have to be careful where that line is so you're not overdoing and, and enabling too much because they have to feel their consequences um Life is, you can't save them all the time. Like you can't right. bail them out of jail all the time. What are they going to learn if you're constantly bailing them out of jail? So I had to leave him there, you know? And yeah. yeah and he had to experience it and figure it out. He, he had to figure it out himself. Um, and he did. Um, but he had to do it a couple of times and same with the other ones, you know, um, they've all been through that. And unfortunately I've been down that road with all of them. And that was the hardest thing ever was to not throw money at them. Bail mm. You know, um, you can't. It's no different than when your kids on a, on the playground and they're jumping and they're swinging from the monkey bars, and now they just fell off. <laughs> you know, yeah, they have to experience that. They got to know where their limitations are. They got to know, experience it for themselves. They're never going to learn otherwise. And so true. It's and it that's hard. That is really really hard. And it took me a oh. while to get there but um and i and, and then when you're going through that you have to make sure that you are okay so self-care is really important um like self-reflection meditation positive affirmations um friends oh my god my girlfriends i don't know where i would be without them um and wow. just, and talking um because it's very stressful you think life's ending um, you could be crying all the time. If you really, you know, if you just sat there and thought about it, what's going on? Um, you don't see an end. How's it going to resolve? You don't know. There's a lot of unknowns, but you just have to have faith, uh, and prayer and meditation. And like I said, all that, and, and talking about it, got to talk about it. Yeah, totally. I think that's, you know, the parental instinct is to, you know, protect your children and, and try to make their life easier. But, you know, mm -hmm. people learn from mistakes. I mean, yep. I've learned from many mistakes in my life. And yep. 
I think that's it's difficult, even more difficult when they're going through what are deemed very serious situations. Mm-hmm. And it feels very difficult, like where to turn right. in those situations. Do you think, yeah. though, that parenting has changed in today's culture or do you feel it's very similar? Oh, no. I, I work in a preschool. I substitute in a preschool and I have. <laughs> You're like, I know this answer very quickly. <laughs> oh, my oh, my God. The, these parents now are they they're I, I get it they mean well they want to they want to be their kids buddy you can't be their buddy mm. I'm, I'm looking at these mothers of these little oh and these toddlers and I, it starts it starts so young even as infants oh my god how they're just catering to every single thing and just and then as toddlers and they're asking him okay so now that school's done should we go home and do this or should we go do that what do you do? <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me no, just take them by the hand. <laughs> this is what you got to do. It's lunchtime. We're going home. We're having lunch. And this, guess what? There's a napkin book or whatever the case may be. No, you don't ask them. <laughs> oh, my God. And it's, or they're allowing, they give them whatever they, whatever they want. You know, they're at the store. I want that. I want this. Okay, sure. We'll buy you that. Or, you know, <laughs> something breaks. The kids are too rough on it. They break it. Okay, we'll just go get you a new one. Oh Where's my! From no, no, no. They have to learn value of things and things. Come, you know, no. <laughs> There's no. Um, it's a way to. They went. Gosh, they went from like one way to the other. <laughs> you know, right. The extreme of parenting. Yes, yeah. Yes. It, the, the pendulum totally just. There was no medium. It just went fling all the way to the outside. I don't understand. Wow. It. Yeah, I feel like people do that. Like people are very, we, we do that though, as people, a lot of times we go from one direction and then we never are moderate about our things. We just throw back to the complete opposite yeah. of that. I would say I'm a throwback. Like I, you know, I, I just have one child and, and I feel like I'm, I, I can be pretty tough. And I, sometimes Michelle's like, mm-hmm. you know, don't be so tough on Rosie sometimes, oh. but I also think that this time she's seven, eight years old. I mean, I, this is the foundational period, man. This is like, we got to enforce rules and, you know, Rosie will be like, Oh, I don't want to do this. I'm like, doesn't matter. We're doing it. Homework is today. This there's no play time. We do the work before we play. And she gives me an ugly look. I'm like, what was that look there? You know, like, I'm just, I don't mess around. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to make her comfortable all the time you know i'm trying to make sure she learns the things so she could be by herself one day and go out and be a functioning successful human being right she's not going to be with me for forever that's right i think sometimes these parents think their kids are going to be with them forever or something Oh my God. So my boys, I made sure, well, first of all, with having three of them all right there in the same age, laundry, I taught them how to do laundry when they were about age 11. I'm like, okay, I'm so done with this. First of all, (laughs) the boys were just constantly throwing dirty and clean things because they don't want to put it away. Yeah. And then my daughter, she's like throwing, she's putting dirty stuff away. And I'm like, I just did laundry. Are you kidding me? So I said, I'm teaching you how to do this. And then I taught the boys how to iron. Because you know you have to learn how to iron your shirts and your yeah. pants and all that stuff. And I taught them how to iron. I did all that. I taught them how to cook. I'm like, this is, they have to learn those things because there's so many kids that have no clue how to do any of that stuff. And oh my it's god, true. I'm doing them a disservice. They have to be able to function in the world, and they have to know that 
disappointments come. You don't get what you want. Mm -hmm. All my kids had jobs. They, as soon as the boys, like the first job they had was caddying and they would go and caddy. And, um, and we even made them buy their first cars and you got to, you know, pay for the right. and, you know, all this mm-hmm. stuff. Now it's really expensive to do that. So you have to kind of help them a little bit. Yeah, Back of course. Back in those days, it was a little easier, but, um, and their phone, nobody got a phone until they were 15, <laughs> you know, because I knew you're going to be out and about. And then I'm like, I have to be able to get in touch with you. I'm like, you know, you're not getting a phone at seven. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no. you know, and I can't tell you how many kids have phones like that are little, <laughs> small. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. Like Rosie's age, like kids that are Rosie's age are rocking around with phones. I'm like, why? That's just so weird to me. I She it asked is. me about getting a phone. I'm like, no, it's going to be exactly. a long time, just so right. you know. It's, it's right. no time soon. Yeah, <laughs> you know, years. Exactly. I know, right? And people are like, oh, okay, sure, let's go get you a phone or whatever. I'm like, what? no. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty strict, too, with a lot of things. You know, I really am. And and even with my Eddie, you know, so, you know, he's talking to the very, very ADHD and a couple of things, even though he's you know coming along and stuff. But I'm very strict with him, too. I mean, I yeah. Him, he's got expectations. You know, I expect him to do stuff and whines at me and doesn't want to. And I'm like, no, you're doing it. You know, sorry. Exactly. I make him do some things, you know, it's different what I'm asking him to do than what I ask my children at age 10, to right. do, but that's okay. I'm, I'm where he is, you know, what he can do and achieve and kids need that because that gives them a sense of really fulfillment that they're achieving stuff. They're doing stuff. They're, you're proud of them and all that stuff. You know, it's like little chores or whatever, you know, they need to have that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. The intersection is kind of like last time we talked and, I was like, yo, I the love thing. I'm great at that. I'm I'm very good at. We've got a morning hug routine. Rosie and I do. She's like, this is a very hugging family. I'm like, I like hugs. It's very. Yeah. It's I like affection, and I you know she's learning that. But I'm also tough with her too. And I was like, we're gonna get this done, and here's the consequences of your behavior. And I just I don't understand this this whole coddling thing that's going on these days. That's why I asked you. I mean, I've seen it, but I didn't know like if you've oh. seen it. Oh, <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. Or the, my, <laughs> so my older boys, mind you, are like really there's they get so mad about this. They're like, what is up with all these kids that are getting trophies? That's the biggest <laughs> hoo ha ever. <laughs> you know? The eighth place trophy or something like that. I know. mean, seriously to get the trophy you know no my kids they had to literally you know there it was a good player and a not so great player and guess and make yeah. somebody somebody gets a trophy somewhere you know because they did this or yeah. you won the championship and now you get a trophy you know but right. you don't just get you know anything just because and and he's t- and he's a dad now so he's got three children of his own my oldest and i mean he's really he's an amazing individual now you know he put me through hell but he's he's a great dad <laughs> And he's running a very successful business, which is great. I'm so proud of him. And so his son is eight. And so he's telling him, he's like, no, dude, listen. He goes, no, you're not just going to get anything you want. And, you know, you got you to gotta earn this. And so it's it's nice to see that, you know, they're, he's. It is. Way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because uh, too many kids are just, they have no idea. They just have no idea. Or being cut from a team. You yeah. Know, you try out for a team and guess what? You may not get on. <laughs> Yeah, it's not a participation not, not trophy or ribbons. No, yeah, but he gets to play. You know, you you, you actually got to be good at it and like, you know, and, and help. <laughs> you know, with the team. So um, some kids get cut, and I think that that's okay. You know, because in life you're not going to get that job. Somebody else is going to get that job. Yeah. You need to be able to know how to handle that, and you know, or whatever the case may be. So 
um, life is full of a lot of disappointments. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> I think, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's totally true, which I think is kind of this weird dichotomy of this time we're living in, where it's like, let's be happy. Let's portray happiness all the time, you know, posting of happy times and things oh. of that nature and pictures of vacation and everybody's happy. Yeah. And I always tell people, and I'm going, that's just not true. That's no. not reality. No. I wish somebody would put up like a really a thing about being truly heartbroken. Like, like, mm -hmm. uh, like this is the worst day ever, <laughs> you know, all this yeah. stuff. It looked terrible. You know, I, everybody's yeah. portraying this happiness, you know, right. I actually did that a little bit ago because, um, so my Eddie, you know, he's, he, it, this August was real tough for me. It was a hard, it was a hard month for me. Typically I have him, you know, going somewhere, doing something and stuff. And this August, there was really nowhere for him to be once, once the uh, special education camp ended. And I thought, yeah. okay, no big deal. We, you know, we live on a lake. I can get him on the boat. We'll go to the beach. We'll do stuff. Well, we also, my husband and I run a business and then I've got a little side. Yeah. Too. So there's, I mean, I'm busy. And then I got my mom who's, you know, I have to check on her. So I couldn't be there for him all the time and he needs structure. So he yeah. was literally driving me insane. It was like, <laughs> oh my God, I was going nuts. And then we were having trouble with, there's a pottying aspect to it too. He's yeah. just got, he just really, we just kind of achieved the pottying thing for him um, this past year. And it's wasn't pooping part. It was, I was literally having sick and tired of dealing with poop. <laughs> like, yeah, oh of course. And I was really stressing myself in it and I wasn't dealing with it in a good way, like at all. And I literally lost it. I literally lost it one day. I broke down crying. I was, I was screaming. I didn't handle myself well with him at all. I'm not proud of it, but it d doesn't surprise me because it, it came to a boiling point. I should have done better right. with my self care, some other stuff. Right. You know? Um, and so I did a live video on Facebook about it and oh my God, so many people chimed in with, you know, thank you. Of course they did. That. You know, yeah, because <laughs> life is not easy. <laughs> we do sometimes lose it as parents. We don't always know what we're doing. It, my oldest son even said the same thing. He's like, I thought you and dad really had it all figured out, mom. <laughs> he goes, turns out you guys were just winging it the whole time. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we were. And I still am, you know. Isn't all, everybody? I mean. <laughs> we're all just winging it. And uh Sometimes you don't wing it very well, you know, and, you know, it's uh, so, yeah, it was just a very raw, just very real. Here's what happened. I'm not proud of it, but I know other people can relate to me because, oh, man, crap happens, you know, and own it, you know, learn from it, try and do better next time, you know, kind of a thing. And um, maybe it'll be better. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 No, it's Can't guarantee it, it but, just... you know. <laughs> It just happens. I mean, it's so funny you mentioned that like a couple nights ago, Rosie was just talking nonstop. I mean, it's just like she can't stop talking. I'm like, let's be quiet here. Let's take a break. And I was just like, you're annoying me. I never <laughs> tell her that. And I was like, this is really bothering me. I was like, seriously, I told you to be quiet so many times and you don't do it. It's very disrespectful. Mm -hmm. And I see her, she's the lips get pouty, she's big crocodile tears, uh, you know, and, yep. and I, I was like, you know what, no, I'm just, she's going to have to deal with this. I, mm -hmm. I don't usually get upset, like, but I was just like really not in the mood for it. And then later on, I talked to her, I said, listen, I said, you got to listen to what I'm telling you. Like, if you don't pay attention to instructions or if people are telling you, please stop doing this, 
and they're telling you several times, you need to stop. And then people mm-hmm. reach their boiling points. Doesn't mean that I don't love you. I still love you, obviously, all the time. It's just right. These are the consequences. Like, and she's, you know, I'm right. sorry I made you feel that way. <laughs> she's oh, a very apologetic see. child. Yeah. yeah. She's always a boss. You don't have to apologize. I'm just saying, you know, but it's like she she was pushing my nerves, man. I mean, it was like really pushing great. And I know a lot of parents, they probably get that with their kids. It's oh, like, all the time. oh, you're killing me right now. You know, all the time. And if any parent tells you otherwise, they're lying. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Oh, that's a great child. She's always so great. I'm like, well, then yeah, right. going on because that doesn't happen. <laughs> children know how to push buttons and some will just push them because. Um, and, um, and in some cases, I will tell you this, this is kind of interesting because I just went to a practitioner yesterday with Ed and, um, you know, I've been dealing with his health issues, you know, holistically for a couple of years now, and it, I've been really making some great progress, but we're still dealing with his severe ADHD. And I think, and, and I know traumatic background, um, and very traumatic. My stepdaughter made some very poor decisions in life and did not, and she has issues herself. And so this child was, had stress in utero, stress out of being born and was, and was dealing, he was abused by a boyfriend, horribly, horribly. And so he's stuck in fight or flight, like all the time. His body is literally in like, you know, like I've got to protect myself all the time. And I know this and I've been trying all kinds of ways to reduce down this and so on and so forth. So I found a woman that does cranial sacrifice mm-hmm. and a lot of other body work to release the energy in him and so on and so forth. And oh my God. So we were there early yesterday morning and she was, he laid there on her like thing like she was working his spine, her, her spine and she's like, I can feel it stuck here. He's like an 80%, you know, um, like hyper mode, like just ready to go at any minute, you know, just because his body's just on alert. And so she worked with him, worked with him. And we were there for 45 minutes and he laid there and accepted it and loved it. And he knew it made him feel better. Um, But I was telling her prior to all this, that there's times when Ed will just push me, push me, push me, push me. Because right now at that time, he's feeling so heightened, right? Inside of him that he needs you to feel just as heightened and then he'll calm down. So he'll push you, push you, push you, push you, push you. So you're also at that heightened state. And then now you're like, exactly. you're whatever you're saying, you're just losing it for the moment. Right? And then I'm like, oh God, he did it to yep. me again. You know, he got, he you. got me there. Oh, but that's what he, but that's what he mm. was going for. And then he will suffer. And then he sees me regulating down and it's almost like he needs me to show him huh. how to do it. So I'm trying to help him. So we don't get, does he doesn't need to do that all the time, you know, kind of thing. And so, doing so much research and reading on that and just knowing that I need to help him more to walk through this and get, so we can, he can move past it and I'd have to be there. But, and I try really hard not to go there, but, Oh, sometimes I do. And it's just, it's hard. It's, <laughs> it's incredibly really hard. hard, but I'm really hopeful for some of this therapy that I'm doing. I, I, I think some of this releasing a lot of that energy that's stuck in him, I think will help him a lot. I mean, that's awesome. It'll be another. It's layer. just another layer. Yeah, yeah I've done. You know, layer. I've done craniosacral yeah. therapy before. It's just very interesting, and you know, I'm always into mm-hmm. like, you know, I'll try different things. And like, even Friday, I'm gonna do a, a float therapy, and oh, I'm pretty yeah. pumped about. It. I've never done it before, but I, you know, it's kind of deprivation tank chamber thing. I'm really fascinated by it. You know? yeah. Have you done it before? I I have a 
I have a dear friend really? all the time. A couple of people that I know. She owns a wellness center up in Maine, and uh, she's, and she's just an amazing holistic individual. And um, she does that. She talks about it all the time. It's great. That and red light. Yeah, therapy. yeah, I've heard of that. They're really they're they're doing that a lot too. Yeah, yeah, both of those. They're just like it is amazing, just amazing. Mm. So yeah, I'd love to be able to try a practitioner and find one around here and, and, and try that as well. Now, I'm interested in kind of the whole, Some- kind of the experience of you know, the floating and the water and your body and, you know, you're just kind of in this quiet space for an hour. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I'm sure as, as you've listened to some of my other <laughs> uh, podcasts and stuff, I'm, I'm very open to like psychedelic things and different experiences. And yeah. uh, in many ways, I'm always sure. trying to kind of get back to that space. It was such a powerful experience doing right. that. I, 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 I want to get back and to that feeling on, on yeah. some level in different ways. You know, I'm, I'm a kind of a, a life researcher. I call my, for, for me, mm-hmm. it's like, I, I love learning about life and all aspects, the nature's nature and how yeah. we work inside right. and outside and other, how other people uh, behave. I, I think a lot of my podcast is just human behavior. It's like understanding yeah. stories of other people like this. Like I'm totally mm-hmm. I'm like, man, if you're a parent you're an expecting parent you have to listen to this episode like you think it's going to be all amazing yeah. and doves flying all over the place yep. and you better right. calm down <laughs> like, <laughs> right yeah yeah even infants you know and really quite frankly even infants you know and it, it's just and it, it so matters I, god i wish i knew all this way back when you know kind of a thing because how, how the pregnancy goes how you know are you dealing with stress during pregnancy is is your marriage in stress right. you know it, it's what's happening there because all of that is having an effect on baby totally on you on, on that delivery on how that child's going to come out how that child is already epigenetically it truly matters and and then how and how that baby's sleeping and how that's happening and how that go, it just it continues on down the line and it's so important if you just know you know sometimes you're faced with situations and you you know like people are in maybe a bad marriage and they can't yeah it, but just know that you it's, it doesn't mean that hope is lost because there is, you can change all that. There's ways of, you know, and that's what I've learned because I've been doing that for so long now is that there's, there's always hope. There's always ways of doing, changing some things, altering some things with diet, with nutraceuticals, with, with therapies, right. with all kinds of things. And there's way you can, it, it doesn't mean it's the end all um, just because of things that you were dealt or that you got thrown into or your child did or whatever it's, you know, and it's all quite frankly, going the holistic approach, not the medical approach. Right. The medical, unfortunately, the medical approach will just make it worse. Yeah. I no, I understand. Yeah. It's just, it's just interesting as you, yeah. you go in, into this life and you have children, you know, there's kind of this, it's, I've talked to this about a lot of people because when, when Rosie was an infant, I struggled dramatically with it because I really didn't like her. I'm just being totally honest. I really, I didn't like mm-hmm. that phase at all. It was not, it didn't feel natural to me. It felt very foreign and it felt like I'm just taking care of something constantly and I'm not getting any real feedback in terms of talking and stuff. And, um, you know, like, it's funny, my wife and I have switched places dramatically, whereas like she thrived during that period with our daughter and I just, I struggle. Uh I mean, I remember one time I was in like, I like hid in the closet and I was like broke down. My wife's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm just falling oh. apart, man. I can't handle this, man." Oh, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, it's just hard. is hard. You, know, you don't know what's going to yeah. happen. It is You hard. just don't know. It is hard. Everyone, no, you don't know. And that's the thing. And it's okay to, to feel that way. And it's okay to walk through that journey as long as you're being open and honest about it. And, you know, and of course not doing anything. Right. Of course. Yeah. Like yeah. But, um, but being, but having that honesty, you know, with your significant other, or if you are alone and you're raising that child on your own, like that can happen. Yeah. A lot of girls, yeah. right? they get pregnant and then they've got this kid and it's really hard. You got to reach out and just get that best girlfriend over, get your mom, yes. somebody to help you and give you some time alone, you know, give you a chance to walk away for a minute um, you know, and I, cause my, my oldest son, he was not good with the baby in the yeah. portion. He was watching. Yeah. When his daughter was born and, and I remember him, you know, and, and she, and his, his wife was gone and, and he's like, mom, I, I'm, you need to go over here right now. He was like freaking out because she wouldn't stop crying and he didn't know what to do. And he was like freaking out. And I'm like, not, not to worry. I'll be right there. I was calm. Yeah. And I said, just calm down, Colin. just set her in her crib, let her cry. And you walk away. It's okay. She'll be fine. She'll be loud. But she'll yeah. be fine, you know, and I will come and I'll be there, you know, so it's okay to do that. Oh, yeah. You know, and you don't have to be the, you know, the everyone thinks they have to be like they have to know it. all. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Or you like you're getting some of this stuff is romanticized to me too much where it's kind of like, oh, it's so amazing all yeah. the time and stuff. Like I've had people that I've known that like they've had, you know, they had a child and they're like, I really didn't feel much when, you know. In the beginning, mm -hmm. I didn't have a lot of feelings of like this super amount of love and all that. But, you know, you watch a movie, yeah. it'll tell you to be like the sun shining right. and everything's golden rays. Like right. for me, it took time. And like now, like at Rosie's age, yeah. like I'm thriving because we can have in-depth conversations. It feels more native right. to me. Whereas like my wife, like this is not as native for her because there wasn't a lot of conversation with her parents growing up that was like always positive sure so i had that so now right. i'm thriving at this age with rosie and she's the one learning a yep. little bit more and you know that's yeah. just how it is sometimes you know it's never it going to be this like yeah. amazing experience constantly i never believe people when they're like oh it's just a treasure all the time i'm like that's not <laughs> true get out of here I know. Exactly. <laughs> Stop I know. lying to they people. Don't to lie that. to people. They don't need that. No, right. No, no, because then they think something's terribly wrong. Right. You know, when it's happening to them. Yeah, exactly. When it's not, it's just life. Sometimes <laughs> your kids react like little bastards. <laughs> You're like, yep. yep. And you don't, you don't like, them, like them. Well, like I told you. No, there's, like I said, you know, when my kids, when I was raising my children, my, the older ones, uh, there was a lot of times when I did not like them no. at all, you know? And uh, I, it was like, it was, I wish the whole thing. And I just thought, okay, no. But I, <laughs> but I always loved them and I always made them right. feel loved. <laughs> right. And, but I would tell them, you know, yeah. Or I would say, or use the old terms, just wait till you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll see. It's going to come see. and get you. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. It's yeah, just the way yeah. it's life, you know, and. I think that's just yeah. kind of the theme for me is just like, yeah, you're right. When you, like you said, it's, there's lots of disappointment. And sometimes that disappointment is with your own offspring or with, you know, your adopted child or whoever, mm -hmm. or, you know, you're just mm -hmm. going to feel it and it's okay. It's yep. going to happen on some level. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's all a journey. You know, that's the thing. And you live and learn by everything that you experience. And like I said, I go back to that just as long as you're, you know, if you made the wrong decision last time, make sure you make the right decision, <laughs> yeah. next, you know, next time, you know, and, um, and it's okay. And just keep making those baby steps moving forward. And, you know, 
you'll figure it out. You will figure it out. It definitely, it's mm-hmm. just, you know, life is a lot of decisions over and over again and experiences over and over again and how you handle those decisions and experiences throughout your lifetime. You know, there's challenges throughout the course of your, of your living. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Every day you wake up, there's another one. And so, that stress yeah. you mentioned, I think, you know, I really related to that too with Carolyn's story about how, she, you know, her life before she had uh, Guillaume Baron was, you yes. know, all the stress she was going through, she may have yep. triggered that. Yep. And that was one of the reasons I moved from Las Vegas to up here is I wanted a more peaceful existence, a slower lifestyle yeah. where I knew wasn't busy. I wasn't going to have road rage or anything because there's nobody on the road <laughs> around here, you know, and yeah. just a peaceful life that I could low yep. stress on a regular basis. I believe it contributes to a huge amount of, of peacefulness. Oh. It affects every part of your being. Um, that's how, I mean, it's your sickness will come, you know, like I said, you know, even like with Eddie's trauma. If I don't clear this trauma and stuff, it will affect him later in life. Some sort of sickness, disease, cancer. I mean, you name it. It can be anything that can manifest itself. And so it's very true. And, you know, and I think one of the podcasts, I remember you were talking about that, that, um, that Netflix uh, documentary. Oh, Heal. Yes. So in there, you know, and you brought it up in that one podcast you were talking about it, just that's an incredible way of looking at healing yourself is dealing with past experiences, clearing those energies out. And that one woman, what, she reversed her stage four yes. cancer as a result. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very important for people to understand how stress can just really manifest itself in a, just a whole bunch of really bad, ugly ways, Totally, you know, in every, every aspect of your life. And so, yeah, where you live, how you're living your life, taking your time for yourself, you know, um, extremely important. Um, and, um, and in some way, making yourself slow down. I have to do that occasionally because I'm always moving, always going, always yeah. very full schedule. And I have to say, nope, I have to just, I'm going to take <laughs> yeah. like half an hour and do nothing. Whether it's just sitting and staring outside my back window and looking at the wildlife or whatever, yep, or whatever it is, you, you have to find a way to do that. Well, we're not talking about that enough. I think we talk mm-hmm. about, you know, obviously the major surface level things, you know, of like nutrition and exercise and all mm-hmm. that. And that's very important. Those things are very important, but we don't give enough discussion to just managing your stress on a daily basis. And I always, I, one of my favorite podcasts, honestly, that I did was one with Sarah Dis, who's a public health researcher student. And I, I'm going to have her on again, because I just find her research so fascinating about <laughs> public health and zip code health and, how people's health, uh, there's a huge amount of research building related to where you live and mm. your health. Yeah, I mean, it's becoming a big deal about your environment, uh, yep. pollutants in the air, oh. how busy it is, mm-hmm. city versus urban uh, versus rural areas. Yeah. You know, is there water? Is there nature close by? Is it basically a food desert or not? Mm-hmm. Whole thing. And right. I, it's something I've taken very seriously, seriously to the point of moving, doing different things. Say, hey, you know, I, I need a slower existence. I want my daughter to grow up in an area that's more like I grew up in the 80s, mm-hmm. a little bit more where you can go outside and kids can play in fresh air and, and go to the beach. Right. Um, you know, go be, go. I used to go in the forest when I was a kid and it was magical to me. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, exactly. tree houses. I wanted that for her, for myself too. Right. I wanted to go back and experience that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree 100%. You know, that carefree, just easygoing life. Like, I, I mean, I grew up in the 60s and the 70s. I graduated high school right. in 79. So, you know, we didn't have anything like everybody has now. I mean, you know, if you wanted to talk to somebody, you either got on your bike and rode there or you called on. <laughs> But I did that with my kids. So, you know, my husband and I, like when we moved to this one area, when my children were young, the older ones, you know, they'd always be like, you know, I want to call so-and-so on. And my husband would be like, he goes, forget that. Get on your bike and ride. He goes, they're in the neighborhood, for God's sakes. You're not going yeah. to go there. You know, or like that's when Nintendo first came out. And I literally right. had egg timer. And I'm like, okay, you can have it for a half an hour. And then it's <laughs> outside you go. One time I literally locked the door on them. I'm like, you're not coming in. No, go play. <laughs> and, um. And like, and I made them go outside and play and they did, they would find friends and they'd, you know, we had a community pool in this neighborhood we lived in. It was great. I'm yeah. Like, go to the pool or there's a, there was an old school across the street and I'm like, go to the school, get a, get a baseball game going, go play roller hockey. You know, I don't care what you do. Just go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Figured, totally. And they, and they did. And they, so they grew up that way. I'm, you know, we wanted them to have that. And they did, you know, so, and it really helps them, even though they went through struggles, but it's, it's amazing because they go back to that now, you know, yeah, as young adults. And, um, and I see that in my oldest son with what he's doing with his children, because he's making them do the same thing. It's like, no, play, just go <laughs> play, go out and play. Yeah. My, yeah. my daughter does the same thing. She goes outside with her little friend and they play outside and, Mm-hmm. play Barbies outside and, and there's no electronics and they're riding their nope. bikes around. And I look yep. at them, I go, I used to, I used to yep. do stuff like that when I was growing up, ride my bike around, explore, yep. walk through the woods, Yeah, you know, and, and as you get, if, if you're in a safer area, it's, it's, it's nice to be able to allow your kids to do that. The freedom and, to be able to do that. Freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, guys, you know, you can drive through any neighborhood now and do you see kids playing? No, <laughs> no. No, you don't. It's so sad. Their parents have them so scheduled. It's they're they're literally making them so stressed as children because they're like, no, you got to go cry. Hurry up. We got to go over here to Girl Scouts. Oh, no. (laughs) Now, hurry up. Go, 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 go. It's, you know, let them be a kid. Just let them go and explore and figure things out for themselves. Find they can let them explore enough so they can figure out how to go have fun because so much of it's so scheduled. That's another thing that's really changed. Yeah that they don't know how to do it on their own. It's really sad. It's true. Yeah. That's it's very true. true. Uh-huh. It's really sad. Um, and that can, that has a huge effect on them when they're becoming young adults and, and, you know, and then and even in the business world and stuff, they don't know how to do any of that stuff on their own, <laughs> how to self-regulate or nothing. You know, it's really, yeah, sad. totally true. And there's too many. Totally of them true. Mm-hmm. We'll see where this is all headed. It's a very interesting time, but um, I think that um, it's a valuable conversation. Well, one, it's always valuable when I get to talk to you, Tina. I always appreciate it. Well, thank you. I do. I feel the same about you. Thank you. And two, I think, um, you know, I never know where these things are going to go when I have these podcasts. I have a general idea, but then I just let it just let it be, you know, let the wind (laughs) kind of take it. And it turned into, I think, a very important parenting conversation. (laughs) And it's something that I think is it's a universal theme. A lot of people have children mm-hmm. and they're right. struggling with how to be, be a parent. Yep. And not that we have all the answers, but yep. uh, you know, one of the, the important answers is there will be struggles. There will be difficulties and you're going to get through it. 
Yep. And yeah, you will. You know, but yeah. don't be your kid's friend. You're not friends with your kid. They're not no. your best friend. Your bestie. You know. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, and I and I say that to a lot of like you know, children need boundaries. They're yes. looking for those boundaries. When you don't have it there, they don't feel comfortable and safe. It's yeah. there's they don't know where that is. And but, so you have to very important have rules, have boundaries. Let them know what they can and cannot do. You know, it, they're looking for you for that. And they yeah. need you for that. And when you're their buddy, that's too <laughs> too open. They don't know where that is. It's and that's very scary to them. And yeah. people don't understand that. They're like, oh, no, I think it's great. Let them do whatever they want. I'm like, no, you're screwing them up. <laughs> I mean, you can really. be friends later. Get time for that later. I became you friends know, when with my a... parents when I was in like my 20s, you know. Like... Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, you can deal with them on a little <laughs> different level then, for sure. Absolutely. But no, when when it's all in their growing up years, they need to know where where that all is, you know, and it's very yeah. important for them. Yeah, I always tell my parents, thank you for being tough on me when I was growing up and for being strict and having rules, but also having love mm-hmm. because I needed that. I don't do. I didn't know what I was doing. No, and, yeah, you know, sometimes my mom and I were reminiscing about, you know, when I was a kid and stuff when they were here last weekend. And, uh, you know, there's never any hard feelings about it. You know, the discipline and all that. It's just, it's mm-hmm. what I can, I look back on it as an adult and go, I needed that. Yes. You know, I think kids regret when they go, grow up and become adults and they go, well, my parents never did anything for me. They were never there for me. They didn't give me any b- structure or boundaries. I just left to my own device. Who says that was a great thing when they're an adult? You know? No, yeah, yeah. A lot of those kids, uh, you know, really have some issues and stuff, and it's and it's very difficult, and it stems back to just a lot of all that stuff. So, you know, they they it's it's part of it's feeling cared for, wanted, loved, needed, all that stuff, and that's what a human is looking for, quite frankly. And little humans are no different, and they're really looking up to you for that. You know, you're their you're their protector and they're one of that. So they need to have that. Couldn't say it any better than that. That was yeah. awesome. Well, <laughs> Tina, thank you so much for your time. And um, you and I will be speaking next month for sure. Absolutely, Darian. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate no it. No problem. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That's for great. sure. Well, we'll talk soon. Okay. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Bye.